gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of ESSR Central. I'm your host this week, I'm Stephen Wilson, and today we're going to be talking, as we do every week here on Central, about the latest goings on in the world of professional wrestling. So, that's with a packed week we've had there, we've had a pay-per-view that Sunday there, we've got a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday there, we've got COVID all over the place. <laughs> so much, There's so much stuff to talk about in this week's ESSR Central. Uh, but before... <laughs> but, uh, before we go to that, the usual housekeeping, uh, subscribe to us, or don't subscribe to us, but do subscribe to us in the words of Boris Johnson. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. You can subscribe to us on all good podcasting sites, all bad podcasting sites, whatever you want to say. Uh, just search for us each Suplex Retweet. You can find all our central content as well as all our feature content. And we're also on YouTube where you can qu- catch Quiz Showdown and that show hosted by a guy who thinks he's an animal. Where he talks about stuff, where he talks about stuff in a dark room wearing a pink t-shirt. Chalking <laughs> cheese, chalking. Yeah, records a wrestling show. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, right, so let's go on to the show now. Last week, the guys that were on the show talked about all things retribution and all blah blah blah, all the names of the t- of the whatever the thing in Dodgeball was. I can't remember that. The, uh, the Cobra Jim Purple Cobras. Uh, so in all there of that, go. in all of that, let's. You mentioned Laser Blazer Taser, but there was other members of that great dodgeball team. First, he's walked in on some dodgy stuff in his time. He looks to live with Scott McLeod, just like Michelle did with White Goodman. That <laughs> is uh, Ross McLeod. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you one thing. That computer was infected to the bone, all right, with Scott McLeod. No, no. Uh, yes. It was also stuck to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a laptop, not a landline. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise to the listeners if they are eating and also apologise because I'm currently eating. I'm just in for my work and I'm starving, so you will see me eating sandwiches, cookies and laces at a home market. A lot of kings. Uh, speaking of kings, like White Goodman, no one makes this man bleed his own blood. Also, no one takes no fruit from that man's fruit bowl. David Hockney. Yeah, you, you put your hands on the fruit bowl, you're getting a scalpin. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw whatever apples are left behind at you. And also, finally, if you have did seen... You always, did you get mixed messages when you say, don't touch my banana? <laughs> uh, and finally, if you have seen the film, I'll compare this man to Franz Delanafkovich Delvilovinsky. You can understand the reasons why. He's the most deadly man with a pair of balls. Ryan Gar. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, <laughs> correct. Thank you very much for that. As you can see on the camera right now, people can't see this, but you boys can see. I'm brandishing a baseball. So if anybody gets wide, I'm going to launch this thing right in my window and crack one of these in the dome. Looks <laughs> like we're just throwing stuff today. Like I'm throwing apples, Ryan throwing baseballs. It's uh, we're just throwing stuff everywhere now. Stephen's throwing shed. Mm-hmm. Makes a change. I'm throwing pattern as well for the first time in my life. But there we go. Uh, <laughs> let's all get carried away. So. <laughs> Let's get on to the week that we've just had, the last seven days in professional wrestling. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, we did have a pay-per-view. We had Clash of Champions, which by WWE standards and 
recent times. It was a very, it was a decent pay per view. Had a had a crap bill for most of it, but it was good results. Uh, Dave, I'll start with you, and we'll start with the match that kicked off the show. A very very creative and innovative ladder match, which just shows if you work for WWE, do not get one of those stretchy ear piercings. Hmm. Listen, I could you know shout from the rooftops about how much I enjoy a ladder match. This was so creatively well done. I think this is probably one of my favourite ladder matches since TakeOver New Orleans for the North American Championship. And like, I knew that, you know, when you get Je guys like Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles and Sami Zayn all involved in ladder matches, something creative was going to happen. And it's, I like the whole dynamic of each other. You know, you've got two, well, you've got one tweener, one face and, and one heel. The, the amount of creativity was just off the chain for me and it was really, really refreshing to get that. In, especially at a time where you needed a lot more, you know, thought and creativity to get you through difficult times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ryan, uh, Jeff Hardy, and he's forties now. He's had a he's had a, a rough career. It's fair to say at points in time. He's also recently he's been quoted in recent times as saying he likes it. He wants to have a nice gentle end of his career. Take things nice and easy. Uh, I, I wonder what not easy Jeff Hardy is based on what stuff he was doing in that match. If that was Jeff Hardy taking the easy way, I'm terrified to see what Jeff Hardy would do when he said a couple of Red Bulls in him, ready to go, ready to go tonto in a match. This was this was a bizarre match for Jeff Hardy because like you say, he's getting on a bit now. Um does he need to pull out all the stops when there's no crowd there? You know, he's not even getting the, the instant reaction. I fair enough to get video panels on the side, but it's not quite the same. You know, do you need to pull these kind of moves out? For me, no. Um, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great, great match. Um, the only downside is, um, obviously we've got to talk about the, the missing matches and stuff like that. Tells me they were never going to intend for this match to have this length of time, which means that the, probably the best match we've got in the card wouldn't have even happened like that, if that makes any sense. I lasted mm. 26 minutes. I don't know how long it would have lasted for without the, with the extra matches. You know, maybe about... 14-15 minutes or something that's, like that. That's what I mean, so would you miss quite a lot of the spots then? Yeah, if it got 20 minutes that would have been generous, but you know what, they made the most of what extra time they had. I, and like I said, you know, the creativity and you know the, the deja vu to Jeff, you know, doing that massive swanton off the ladder to Sammy. I, it, was a, it was a nice nostalgic feel, but it's nothing we haven't seen. And you know, like you said, Ryan, you know, he's getting on a bit with age, so the fact that he can still do those sorts of moves at this point of his career. I think it's just a testament to how much Jeff Hardy is uh, is well-liked. Uh, Ross, I'm going to throw you back to April. I know April feels about like five years ago now. Uh, but a man who we talked very nicely about in this podcast, uh, Dave Meltzer, uh, he said that people who are, uh, go away during the COVID era are going to come back and get booked terribly. Sammy Zane's just won the IC title. Dave Meltzer spot on as usual. Um, Sammy Zayn since he's came back has actually been really entertaining. Like, I don't think WWE after Tony Khan came out and publicly stated, if you want to take time off, if you if you step away because you know either you've been in contact or you feel at risk, you know you won't be you won't be affected. And WWE. They didn't state publicly that you weren't going to be affected, but they weren't going to bury Sami Zayn, who was one of the most interesting characters, especially as Ryan can attest to. When he had to watch SmackDown, Sami Zayn was, with his promos, was a bit of a shining light. He was, you know, the best of a bad bunch in certain feuds. He had 
I had great matches with Dan Ryan uh, at Mania and after Mania. I know he's came back. It's just, it's almost as if that six months off made you forget about how good he was. And then when he comes back, it just, he's five, ten times better, you know what I mean? Um, just a wee point you mentioned though about Jeff Hardy getting on a bit. He's actually not the oldest in that match, that's the thing. It's just because Jeff Hardy has been on your screen since he was like 17. I don't even think it's that, Ross. I think it's just the fact that Jeff Hardy's getting on a bit and does all these mental fucking moves. Like, I think that, that's the that's the comparison. You know, um, I'm guessing you mean Styles is older by I don't know how how much. Um, it must be like a older. how much? I think it's a month or two months older. Something like I think Hardy's August, Styles is July. So, um, how many how many things have you seen AJ Styles? Swanton off the bottom, or for, start that again. How many things <laughs> have you seen AJ Styles Swanton in after the caps of buildings? <laughs> AJ and TNA was diving out cages and doing lethal lockdowns and diving off Ultimate X's and all that. It just obviously it's like, uh, we've seen more hardest, but like, Jesus Christ, this guy's going, you don't, it's it's the sort of WWE thing, you know. AJ Styles is technically only been WWE since 2016, so we don't kind of tar him with that same brush. Sami Zayn's only been there since 2012. You forget that, you know, they said at WrestleMania 2016, it took him 17 years to get there. And you're like, Jesus, I actually, these guys have all probably done crazy shit. We just kind of, because we see it often for Jeff Hardy, we are just kind of like, fuck, when is he going to, like, he, one of these days he's going to injure himself and thankfully he's not done it and not on wood, he doesn't do it anytime soon. I'm surprised he never got injured when uh, he was like hanging on the ladder by a thread. Oh kinda, yeah, he's kind of topples like, uh, like the rolling wall. Yeah, and he oh god, he, I think there were two spots where he actually got caught in like a like between the ladder and like I think Corey Graves described it best. It was like a Venus flytrap sort of move. Like you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that when trying to like fold up a ladder, but it, it hurts. And the fact that he got toppled to the outside of the ring as well. I mean, there were some pretty dangerous bumps in that match, but none more painful than when he. He got handcuffed to the ladder by his own earlobe. Like when I thought he was just going to handcuff him like round a ladder or something, but no, Sami Zayn had to go that one step farther. Can I say something as well though? It was an incredibly creative match. I think, as obviously Ryan mentioned, if you've got the other matches that were cancelled, unfortunately due to COVID-related uh, issues, you wouldn't have got as many spots. These guys on the fly and with very little time came up with these really creative spots and something that for me made it one of the better ladder matches I've seen in recent years. They had time to sell moves. They had time, like it wasn't just, and I, I do actually like the Young Bucks, I just, they kind of always seem to be my one <laughs> if I go up. But it wasn't, oh by the way, he's taking a spell to the outside of the ring. Oh wait, he's back up, Canadian Destroyer. Canadian Destroyer again, super kick, super kick, super kick. Like, oh, like, when Sami Zayn get launched into the ladder by Eddie Styles, he sold it for a good five minutes because if someone throws you a ladder like that, you're going to be down for a bit, you know. It brought a bit of realism into a, a match that we always suspend our belief from the ladder match. There's one was Zanikas bounces off a ladder, like he bounced, mm. they hit their ropes and then bounced again off it. It's just, it was yeah. Uh, I think there was a spot like that, Armageddon 2006, where William Regal half Nelson suplexed as Paul London into a, a diagonal ladder. Uh, oh my God, the way the ladder actually looks like it's wrapped around Paul London's head, it actually looks really painful to watch. If you just remember the William Regal Paul London spot, who remembers Mate. spots like that? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, 
How is that in your head? I, I forgot Armageddon even existed. Never mind 2006. <laughs> I know a lot of random shit. That's why I'm so good at these quizzes. I, I will never forget Armageddon because I don't want to miss a thing. I'll tell you another thing as well. Jeff Hardy was also in that match. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of like Sami Zayn being one guy that was apparently going to get buried because of being off during COVID. The other guy that Meltzer mentioned, Roman Reigns, who was going to come back and get buried, is mm. the tri- now the tribal chief, Ryan, and need enough kill his cousin. This was a great match, man. I absolutely loved this. I think somebody said before that, I can't remember who it was, they said they weren't even interested about this match until the build happened. They've absolutely nailed the build to this match to the point where it was one the one match in the card that I was like desperate to see. Um, it's, a, it's brilliant seeing Reigns as well, taking this different approach. He came out with Nate Tap on. Big, big, oh, 12 went mental for Nate Tap Reigns. Oh, big, <laughs> big hulky body, man. The birds were going absolutely mental for him. Um, <laughs> mine included, annoyingly, so I need to turn that off. Um, but it was... It just great. He played the part so well. See, talking all the way through the match, you know, towards the end, asking to call him a tribal chief, call him the chief. Like, just kept going and going and going. And I thought, I thought Uso was amazing at selling this as well. You know, it, he made Reigns look like Lesnar in this set. In this sense, he made him look like that monster character that it's just going to bulldoze through folk. Mm-hmm. I Ross, there was a good spell. It was, I think it's that there was a point where Jay Uso gets a bit of offense, hits his moves, and you think yeah. he might win it. But that's there's still a good six, five, six minutes left of the match. How much that Roman just pummels the living daylight so him. I mean, well, I've I've also got cousins. I wish I could batter. Much like Derek and Gary, also have cousins. They wish they could batter fuck out you know. And uh, no, it was it was really good. And you know, something I think we we spoke about last week is. If Jey Uso had won, I don't think it would have made any sense. You know, it, it, you know, the nice building. It, it was like Santino at the Rumble or Santino in the Chamber. Yes, the nearly moment is good for the underdog, but it's what happens after the underdog wins. But it always gets you. You know, you think you're too smart for it. You think, oh, well, I, I read this column or I, I seen this on Twitter. And yet, these moments always catch you off guard when he goes for the spear especially and he dives up and rolls him up it is it's like edge of the seat moment like what 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 and then obviously the beating after bringing you back to the realization that this is roman reigns no way was he ever getting buried and he is going to be i think he's going to be the best heel in this company for the past decade because we've had interesting heel runs that WWE haven't really got behind. They're behind Roman Reigns, we've known that since 2015. Mm-hmm. And I think this could go all the way to WrestleMania. People are talking about Rock Roman, I'd much prefer Big E versus Roman. Yes, it's, there's interesting ways they can go with Roman now, Dave, after that. I mean, mm. I don't know what the heck they're going to do with Jey Uso. Uh, but Jimmy's coming back, so they may get a tag title shot at like some pay-per-view in May or something like that. But uh, Roman Reigns, there's a lot of interesting ones there. Ross mentioned the thing about Big E that a lot of people would like to see, but we also saw on SmackDown when um, Roman Reigns came out to the ring, he got a bit of a stare down when he was when a certain Alexa Bliss, Bliss was walking to the back, and she's very much in, in tune with the Fiend at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the possibilities are endless for, for Roman Reigns at this stage, but I think what WWE's succeeded in doing now is they've helped Roman find his groove. Uh, because I think we're at, we were at that point where we were just sick of, you know, babyface Roman Reigns, who's the, the underdog hero. But the thing was, he was never an underdog. He was always a badass superstar. Like, even all the way back to the Shield days, you know, people liked him because he was a badass and it didn't matter if he was uh, a heel or not. So, and just to follow up from what Ryan was saying, the best thing about this match was the storytelling. You know, he's asserting his dominance as the head of the Anawahi family. You know, he's the, the head of the table. He's the tribal chief. Like, this is just taking Roman Reigns and just cranked him up to 11. And with Paul Heyman as his mouthpiece now, because he's never been brilliant at cutting promos as a face, but, you know, even just when he's calling out the dialogue mid-match himself, it goes to show how invested he is in this particular angle. You know, it's almost as if Paul Heyman didn't even need to be there. He, Roman Reigns could have effectively played that character on his own. There's a good moment in the match where, uh, towards the, at that closing segment where uh, you see Heyman at the ringside going, you are my tribal chief, and he goes, I don't want you to say I want him to say it. Just like... Mm. Shade. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, shut up, Paul. I know you think that. Stop being an ass kisser. Like, I want my cousins to say it. And I love, the how, finish... I love how Heyman just looks at the title all the time. Mm. He's never off it. Uh, it's like Champa and Goldie. <laughs> but the, the finish was probably my favourite bit. Because, you know, Jey Uso is getting a ton of punishment thrown his way. You know, he gets speared multiple times. He's getting punched repeatedly. Like, I never expected Jey Uso to be in that position, given that we've always seen him as like a tag team wrestler with his brother. But getting Jimmy to come out and throw in the towel for him, I think that's probably the most creative way this could have been done because it doesn't hinder Jay that much. It makes him look like a somewhat credible singles competitor and it also teases the Usos getting back together. So I'm, I'd like to see what their interaction is going to be with Roman as a duo going forward. With regards to WrestleMania, I think in terms of star power, I'd lean more towards The Rock versus Roman because he's also part of the the Anawahi family. And I think the storytelling behind that makes yeah. more sense. They need a crowd for The Rock. They're not going to bring mm. Rock back to an empty arena. They're not going yeah, to bring him back to the Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> if, they're stuck, if they're stuck with the Thunderdome in the empty arena, I think Big E seems more logical. I would love Big E to do it. I, I, don't, know. I don't know if Big E's... They need to build him up a wee bit more. Yeah, he's not even on this card. You know, I've not seen him since he, he, he came back and battled Sheamus a couple of weeks ago, and we've not really seen him since. I don't really know what's going on with him. Uh, the other batch on the card, Ross, I want to point out because, as we mentioned, there's a lot of um, small matches that were for obvious reasons. Uh, the match for the WWE title, the ambulance match between Drew and Randy Orton, has divided a lot of people in the fact of it's a we've not seen an ambulance match in a while, which is good, but. When you've got a guy like Drew, who's meant to be your credible champion, he seems to need half the attitude error to win his title. No, no, no. Two of them for the 80s. You know, he wasn't just attitude error. Some of them were the golden era. Um, <laughs> Double ruthless aggression too. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, Drew seems to have entered that um, stage that AJ Styles hit in 2018 where you're just kind of you're waiting for him to drop the title now you, you kind of think right it's over now it's over now it's over now um randy orton over the summer became possibly the best heel in wrestling before Roman reigns return and since then he's lost three 
reviews in a row. Uh, but Drew, I don't really think it was a problem that you know they built up the storyline of Drew was injured, but he came back too soon because he wanted to get his hands on Orton. And what they've done is basically make Orton look dangerous because if that was a fully fit Orton going up against an injured Drew McIntyre without interference, he would have won. That was the story they told. But Orton's downfall was the fact that he made an arsehole last summer to the likes of Rick Flair, Shawn Michaels, Christian, Big Show. So every time he got the upper hand, someone else cost him. Uh, which I actually thought was quite a good storyline. Obviously, people would be like, oh, no, no, what about Drew? What about Drew? Drew's fine. Drew's still WWE champion. You know what I mean? Like, the booking I personally thought was fine. Uh, Ryan, I believe you were one of the ones who fought the, op- the opposite. Hated this match. I absolutely hated it. I thought, I, I get the point, right? You're going to have them come back and, and kind of pick up. You know, kind of where Randy Orton left. So it's not like um Fucking heat's rushing it. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely hated this match. It was just, it made Drew look so weak that he had to have these guys. And I get the point of them coming back and kind of avenging what happened to them and, and team up to take Randy Orton. But do that separately. For me, don't interfere in a match. The fact that Randy Orton took four beatdowns in this match and still almost won the match, it just makes Drew look like a total pussy in this. It makes him look like he got there by the skin of his teeth, regardless of having four guys interfering in the match for him. Or three guys, no, no Ric Flair, obviously, he didn't count. But, aye, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I don't I don't like where they're going with Drew. I thought Drew should have dropped the title, to be honest with you. I thought he should have dropped the title just now and then went on a thing to get it back at a later date where he's got a crowd. I mean, he can have his moment and stuff like that as well. So, nah, not for me. wasn't a, wasn't a fan. Dave, hey, it looks like though um, they could continue the feud, even though it mm-hmm. seemed like a natural point to end the feud. But uh, Orton still wants a shot. He put on his night vision goggles and took out his, <laughs> his best cartoon villain and took out them all out again the next night. Oh my gosh! Like I'm not really sure what to make of this. Uh, well, I think the match itself was all right, but I think getting the, the other four guys involved is a bit of uh, a bit overkill, if I'm being honest. So I, I sort of agree with points made by both Ross and Ryan, but I have to side with Ryan. I think Orton should have been the one to, to win this one. And then they could carry they could still carry on to Hell in a Cell with a bit more of a, a natural storytelling behind it. But again, this match just sort of made Orton look like a bit more of a chump. And, you know, the fact he took a a punt kick into the ambulance and then he just appears up on Raw the next night as if nothing happened it kind of it really sort of took away from it a bit but it's the, the punt kick it took out all the other guys mm. you know yeah it's I, but I can see this going towards Hell in a Cell now because it's clear that you know the, the feud isn't over and I think if, if they're gonna drop the title and give it to Orton drop it from Drew to give it to Orton it has to be done at Hell in a Cell. There's there's no two ways about it. Like, if it wasn't Night of Champions, it's going to have to be Hell in a Cell. And they can't drag it out anymore. It's going to be a bit more than it. Either put it on him or not put it on him, you know, and then... Yeah. I've been saying repeatedly as well, if Randy Orton's going to win his 14th WWE title, it has to be this time. Yeah. Now, this well, um, obviously, sometimes we see... Um, like, obviously we didn't see it last year but for the three years prior we saw 
WWE versus Universal Champion at Survivor Series. Um, do you think they're going to give it to Orton just so they don't have to do Drew versus Roman? Like because they built Roman up. Drew, Drew is basically Roman Reigns with a Scottish accent. They built Roman up as a heel. We've seen at Stomping Grounds and at WrestleMania uh, 34 that these guys were exactly mixed well. You think it's maybe because it's someone like Orton who, like heel v heel matches, you know, somebody can cheat to win that doesn't hurt the other guy. I think if they're going to give it to Orton, they will do an Orton versus Roman match. See, I, I actually think they'll they'll do what they did last year. They just have a challenger from each brand going for that brand's title. See, see, I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it this year because they're talking. They don't really want to mix the bra- mix the brands because everything else is going on. Because they've obviously got they've got a Raw team, they've got a SmackDown team, NXT's in the Performance Center. So if they mix them too much, I don't really know how. If you get too many guys in the one building at the moment, I don't really know where that would come. That actually brings me on to another point that kind of affected this pay per view and has affected a lot of stuff that's happened over the last week. It's that dang virus that can just f off, you know. <laughs> in the bloody backside. I just had to listen to that blooming guy with the mop head talking about it and his uh, pilot lives in his mom's basement. Uh, <laughs> my analysis of Chris, Chris Whitty, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chris, Chris Whitty looks at the zombie that get killed and shot in the dead mind to want to get pinned against the tree. Exactly <laughs> he like. Oh my god. The guy in the dressing gown. Aye, the guy in the dressing gown, that is Chris Whitty. The guy hit with the, the swing ball. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my he, god. He needs, he needs a suit that fits him. But enough about him. Uh, he needs COVID. a face transplant. That's what he needs. <laughs> uh, COVID. Uh, Dave, we'll go back mm. to you on this one. Um, no, don't ask me about COVID. I'm not asking about the medical side of COVID, David. I'm talking about the wrestling. What's happening with the wrestling? <laughs> okay, cool, cool. We'll save that for the map with the, the, the two big David, talk to me. Please explain COVID is to me. <laughs> oh, it's basically it's a, it's a virus that's apparently deadlier than the flu. And... Oh, enough of that. Um, Ross McLeod does COVID. <laughs> uh, we had a big issue, but apparently there's a there's a big outbreak apparently recently in NXT. Mm-hmm. It's there's a partly outbreaks going on in uh, other companies as well, which we'll talk about later. It affected the pay per view because. Nikki Cross has apparently been in contact with it. Retribution has apparently been in contact with it. Who knows what happened to Shayna and Nia? Mm. They claim not to have been in contact with it, but they weren't on the pay-per-view. I think it's actually because from I've heard I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it's because Liv Morgan got in contact with somebody that could have been tested positive and that's why they just scrapped the match altogether. Imagine how they say Liv was off it. They said that the other two were off it. I don't ah, exactly. You know, Nikki Cross got pulled from the match. Why couldn't just pull the Riot Squad and have like, you know, another team go for it? God forbid, let it be Dana and Lana. I, I oh, no, sorry, not Dana, Natty and Lana. They probably didn't, as you seen way when Asuka challenged Bailey. They probably didn't have any other women there because it's a close. It's only the people who are meant to be on the show. So if they'd said Live and Ruby have. Oh well, we still need to defend the titles. You don't have it, you know. They have it, you don't. So I think the reason they did that was because every match has to be a championship match. Every title must be defended. If you say the champions have it, it means they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, the Nikki Cross one's a weird one, Ryan, because apparently they knew that she was not going to be. They knew she wasn't going to make it last week. Yet they advertised the match on SmackDown and they advertised the match 
on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. If they knew Ellen the week that she wasn't going to go on, they could have chucked somebody else in there. They could have done something on SmackDown to at least go, here's a match. Refresh my memory, was she, was she on SmackDown? No. Bailey cut, right, okay. Bailey cut a promo about her and her and, about her and Sasha, but Nikki was never actually ah. on the show. Right, okay. See, I, I said I was getting confused. I, I think I must have been getting my SmackDowns mixed up, but I thought she was on it. But I was the week before when she was on. I, it's weird. See if you know she's not going to be on it and you're pulling her for something. Why would you just pull the match completely? Why would you not chuck somebody else in? For me, it just shows that they've actually got one, the depth. Of, of people they think are credible to step up to it um, but also shows that they've not got they can't really think in their feet that well when it comes to the women's division you know and, and think of something else to come up it's almost like they've got this this kind of ultimate plan going um, we see it class of champions um, when Asuka comes out that's literally just a case of here you go and do that just go out and fight her and you're going to get hit with a chair anyway so it doesn't matter you'll be there for five minutes but there's no Try to think of the right word to describe it. Just so I kind of go get up and go at it. Think, right? Okay, we need to think of something else for this women's thing because somebody could be it for two weeks. Somebody could be it for three weeks. You don't know what's going to happen. So you should have a kind of contingency plan at all times for these. I think. Well, they did kind of, you know, with Sasha Banks coming out and attacking her with a chair. But I think they should have just done that straight from the get-go. Like, don't even go with the match. Just cut the cut the promo. Sasha comes out and attacks her, and that heightens their feud without you know having to cross over with like raw superstars it's it it kind of takes away you know from the you know the faults in the smackdown women's division but they did something similar at night like fully enough this was at night of champions 2014 i think seth rollins was meant to go one-on-one with roman reigns uh but roman got pulled at the last minute because of injury or illness or something and you know they did a, a rollins win by forfeit but then they had ambrose who was away filming uh 12 rounds at the time they had him come back in the taxi and they had him, you know, have a brawl segment with Rollins instead. Like, that's furthering a story uh, whilst also, you know, cancelling a match at the same time. You give them something just as memorable, and you're, but you're not shoehorning another match in there just for the sake of having a match. Did you need to go to the pub, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm talking about the pub in ages and stuff. Like, you have to book about a week in advance. It's crazy. You have a pub I do, I do agree with you about, like, a brawl segment would have just been as memorable because obviously the Asuka match ended in DQ anyway um, and Alan got very, very valuable draft points which we all cuss him for. Um, but also, you know, we talk about... We talk about... Could you know I just replaced her? This was a company that knew two weeks in advance Roman Reigns wasn't going to be at WrestleMania and yet still advertised it till the Friday, like the Friday after SmackDown, not even on SmackDown. They had two weeks to film promo segments with Braun and Goldberg, and they didn't. You know, they knew Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be out for months. They still advertised Stone Cold Rock and Triple H Survivor Season 99. So, you know, it, it's a WWE thing. The show must go on. They will keep that match advertised until the very last minute in case someone's condition changes, someone's injury changes, and then they don't have to go, oh, by the way, I know we said, for example, if it was Bailey Sasha, Sasha's out, Liv Morgan's in. Well, actually, Sasha's cleared, so Liv Morgan's back out and Sasha's in. Mm-hmm. Just confuses people in the end, you know what I mean? Uh, it's um, like, you know, it's the old phrase, you know, card subject to change, and they all only do it at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Asuka Bailey match lasted three minutes, 45 seconds. <laughs> Again, probably didn't even need to happen, but I think 
they took the gamble of trying to shoehorn a match in some way or another. Asuka's other match on the card lasted seven minutes. The other matches on the card were okay, but there wasn't really much to scream about. That's why I'm not going into them in too much detail. Uh, Bobby Lashley won without the hot business being there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. There you go. That, that, I, I think that made a follow look weak, but can I also say, see leading into this um, pay-per-view, there was a lot of annoyance that Asuka versus Selena Vega, which was made the Monday before the pay-per-view, or sorry, the Monday or week before the pay-per-view, was going to be on the pre-show. It was the only match going in that didn't have a story around it, you know what I mean? Like, each match you could make a case, even if it's not a great storyline, there still was storylines there, you know what I mean? So, I know we've done the women's revolution, we know that more and more women are getting chances, women are main event pay-per-views, but there is times where women will have to be on the pre-show and men will have to be in the pre-show. Example, last year, AJ Styles, United States Champion, was on the pre-show for Clash of Champions. Like, it was because AJ's match last year didn't have a story with Cedric Alexander. Zelina and Asuka didn't have a story. You know what I mean? It was it was the least interesting match on the card. And it's just, it was something I wanted to just kind of get up and chest because it was like, why are people upset that this match is on the pre-show? Yeah, it makes sense because they chucked on the they chucked on the artists versus uh, the Lucha House Party, which had some sort of builds. You know, they had yeah. that was that was sort of teasing the, the dissension between Lucha House Party a bit. I mean, that was a, the angle sort of got into it, but it didn't really put much focus on the champions themselves. And I think a lot of people knew that they were going to retain anyway. So, I think you know the reason they moved that to the pre-show. I think it's because it was probably the most predictable result on the card. Of course, they were going to retain. It's Lucha House Party. I mean, oh. did anybody think Zelina Vega was going to win? No, like, I like Zelina Vega, but... Hey, hey, Jinder Mahal's won the WWE title. I think that goes to show anything could happen in WWE. Anyway, can I just jump in here with the, the total disrespect that's been shown to the Lucha House Party, I don't know. They're building to something, baby. They're building to something. They're going to... I guarantee, in six months' time, we'll be talking about them, and somebody will be going, do you know what? Rhyme is right on that episode of Central that he done, when he said that Lucha House Party are building towards something and it was going to be interesting, they're building towards something, one of them's going to win a title and it's going to lead to a feud with Sin Cara. Lin Cicado is going to win a title and Sin Cara is going to fight him for it. Kalisto. Kalisto. <laughs> I think Cara was released years ago. Like Ryan, Ryan clearly invested in the Lucha House Party. <laughs> you know, the sad thing is, Grand Metalik was in the final of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and look what he's been reduced to. Do you uh, know what's funny about that? I actually don't believe anything that I just said there, and it shows with the fact that I made a total ass of it right at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Gallagher exposed. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Anyway, keep back. Moving on from that, um, they also announced on this show that starting in, not this coming Friday, but the next Friday Smackdown, we're going to get a draft. Yeah, another draft. Even though in recent weeks, at least three members of the Smackdown roster, Ryan, have showed up on Raw. I bet Big Allen still gets fucking multiple points for it. I know. I mean, (laughs) that's Dave, because he's got Braun Strowman. Yeah. Then Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke show up on... I was very happy to see Dana. <laughs> it's Dana! Listen, 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 listen. I've made the jokes already. I've made the jokes about the house party. Don't rub your ass at it now. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> th- th- this is related to the show we just did that came out on Tuesday there. All the love for Dana Brooke. <laughs> I know. 
Aye, aye, aye. Anyway, back to the wrestling. Uh, anyway, are we excited about a draft? Do we really care? Yes, massively. I think it's needed. I've been. I can't remember who put it in the the group chat, but somebody put it in the group chat literally just before it was announced. I think it was maybe like a day before. Somebody was like, "A draft is drastically needed just now." And um, maybe you. That might have been me. I think it's either that or last week we spoke on here. I said a draft is needed. Aye, somebody said recently a draft is needed, and then lo and behold, it does get announced. But I think it has been. It's been shown for a while that. It's getting a bit stale now that you've got people having the same matches week in, week out. You know, I'm fed up seeing, as much as I love the, the heart business, I'm fed up seeing them going go to town with Ricochet and Apollo and Mustafa right. Ali, who is only mm. seemed to be there every two weeks. I don't know what's happened with him. He seems to appear. I think, now, I think two months. Aye, it's, it's weird. But it's, it was good to begin with. Now it's getting a bit dull. Now I'm just like, okay, Raw for me seems to have been the same show for the last six weeks. Nothing changes in it. It's the same show every single week. It's the only it's the only Raw and SmackDown like as of late. Like before I before I went on holiday, I was struggling to watch Raw. I was only doing it for the Raw Report. And then when I came back, because I didn't have to watch it for for Raw Report, but just no more RIP. Ross, um, Ross sorry just to jump in mate. Did you did you go on holiday? I did, mate. I was doing my well, turkey for you. Oh, you've never said, mate. You've never mentioned it. No, <laughs> oh, God, just me time here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, but anyway, back to my rambling. Uh, <laughs> I, I've really not been interested before or after coming back, like in Raw or SmackDown. A draft is always an interesting show because you're either you're either really happy that somebody's went one way, or you're really disheartened that somebody's stayed on Raw because it's always Raw we always get your downer a bit Raw I know Raw's been rotten recently Raw sucks so bad it's so, it's I, like, I, I said I was saying before we came on the air as well I think it would benefit a lot of the guys that are getting like are feuding with the Hurt Business that should go to Smackdown like you know I think the Hurt Business on Raw is actually a good thing at the minute but you know guys like Apollo Crews Mustafa Ali uh, and Ricochet, you know, I think I could see those guys being drafted to SmackDown in some capacity. Mustafa's only just moved. Aye, it's a weird one because he had that, uh, well, it was rumoured that, you know, he was behind that hacker storyline, but for some reason they've just dropped it. Aye, that's oh, for some it. reason. You ever watched, have you watched WWE? This is what they do. They just do angles and they drop them, you know? Yeah. Like Whatever happened to that closed-circuit TV thing in 1999? It caught everybody out. They caught, oh, Val- they caught Val Venus in the sack with a million people. <laughs> and the uh, Shane McMahon's unknown lockbox as well. We never had a conclusion to that. Oh, God. I know. Well, see something, though, that we talk about the likes of Ali and Ricochet and, you know, certain other people. Akira Tazawa, certainly. I'm sick of seeing him with his ninjas. Like, if you're not going to use these guys in Raw SmackDown, we send them back to 205 Live and make that a bit more interesting. Yeah, I'll just put 205 Live guys on NXT. But then you'll have the next the But then you'll have fans complaining, they're like, oh, these guys should be on Raw and SmackDown regularly, why are you demoting them to 205 Live and stuff? It's that... I, I, no, sorry, Dave. No, you, I'm shouting at it. Just people in general, but, you know, my screen's locked on you, so it's you, it's you. Um, <laughs> That pisses me off. People complain they don't watch 205 Live because it's, it's boring, it doesn't have any star power. 
and then you put stars on it. Oh my God, why have they been demoted? That's so rubbish. I don't watch 205 Live. Well, maybe you should watch 205 Live. Artholes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before, before Ross shouts at everybody, uh, and other news... Yeah. <laughs> in other news apparently WWE have told the roster that once the Thunderdome deal runs out at the end of October they should be preparing to go back on the roads do you, any of you see them actually going back on the road anytime this year oh no why on earth would they do such a thing when COVID-19 is running rampant across the United States at the minute like it's it's and you know we've seen with these political rallies and stuff people are like thousands of people are gathering indoors and you wonder why they're the country has so many deaths at the minute and i've been hearing they've been wanting to cut down their live events uh as well like those that are untaped but wouldn't it not just be easier just to keep everybody in florida you know so it actually reduces the risk of them getting infected like that's if they're actually considering going back out on the road like what on earth does that say about WWE as a company if they're not taking their the health and well-being of all their staff and talent seriously? Did yeah. you just try and put logic into the wrestling? Yes, I did. Is that, is, hey, don't don't do that because that's just absolutely stupid. Like you say, COVID nineteen's run wild, brother. Um, just thought I'd leave that one dangle out there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Jesus. Uh, anyway, that was the brief one. Let's go. Let's go to the wrestling closer to home quickly. We'll talk about NXT UK. That's quietly came back on the TV in recent times. Uh, Ross, NXT UK takeover Dublin, which has been postponed at least twice, is apparently now going to happen next June. As a <laughs> wow. I was raging when they announced it, like because you know I don't know if you know Ryan Gallagher's my personal flight uh, booker for Dublin. Ryan there, they can get you a great deal. Uh, and return anywhere you want, mate, forty quid. There you go, he's that guy, anything you want, forty quid. Uh, <laughs> but I was raging when they announced it after Blackpool. I was skinned and the tickets went like that. Then they postponed it, I thought, oh I might might try buy one and I held off and I held off. Then it gets moved again. It's, <laughs> I think the poor people at Dublin they accept they are not getting a takeover. Yeah, June twentieth, twenty twenty one is apparently the scheduled date for it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I should be going my birthday. I am. I think I'm pretty sure there's something good on that weekend. Ah, it's my birthday, mate. When's it twentieth? You said is that the the Sunday? Yeah. Super. My birthday's in the, the Wednesday. I'm going for a sesh for a week. Oh, I hate to be pedantic about this, but if this is. Uh, NXT UK takeover. Why are they going to Ireland specifically? Yeah, if you're like six months too late with that, <laughs> people were talking about this before. But COVID was a thing, you know. I mean, Dave, Belf- I mean, Belfast makes more sense. I mean, Dave, I'll ask again. Are you trying to put logic into the wrestling? Like I said, Ryan, I'm a logical person. It's the only way I operate. <laughs> I don't know to logic, People have forgotten who Saxon Harley is, and you're trying to put logic into why they're doing things in Dublin. You know, you get. I don't know. I forgot. What? Why was Saxon Huxley locked backstage in the worst looking cage ever? They panned the camera out and you can see the big gap in the fence. <laughs> I'm being kept back because I'm a danger to others. There's a giant gap in the fence, mate. <laughs> uh, Is he not the one that looks a bit like Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, he, got, yeah, he, he, got ch- he got chopped to bugger by Walter. Oh, oh God, I remember that. Oh, it's a, poor, a poor man's ADM is Saxon Huxley. A poor man's ADM. 
Susie D. Uh, <laughs> Russ's close personal bodyguard. Uh, <laughs> also, on, also on NXT UK, apparently they have lined up a few signings for the uh, that will soon be debuting on the brand, according to Inside the Ropes' Gary Cassidy. Uh, some of the names being lined up: Tony Gill, who I have never heard of in my life. I think I went to school with a boy called Tony Gill. Aaliyah <laughs> uh, James, Sha Samuels. Hey, big Sha! Adam Maxted, David's favorite wrestler. And no, he's, he's Daisy's favorite. And Molly Spartan. I've been lined up for NXT UK. Apparently, you just mm. fucking ruined that right at the end, of it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Big Shaz no, apparently listen, been in all seriousness. Big Shaz apparently been lined up since January. I like I I I remember actually going to my first ICW event back in 2014. I think this was uh, almost f- uh, six years ago to the day, and. Shah Samuels was, I think, one of the first guys I saw who came out, and immediately as soon as I saw his character, you know, the the East End like brawler and stuff, butcher. I thought <laughs> East End Butcher. East End Butcher. Uh, oh no, that sounded Jordy, but no, I'm not going to do accents. But as soon as I saw his character, I think he, I think he would suit quite well in a in like a in WWE if they had a UK division and stuff. So I'm I'm really thrilled for Shiny. You know he's gone through a huge body transformation as well. He's lost a ton of weight. He's cut back in the drinking, and you know we we've seen him in ICW plenty of times as part of the Kinky Party. He is actually a very very entertaining character. Not to mention really athletic for someone his size. I'm really surprised Stevie Boy's not on that list. I thought he would be a shoe. I thought I'd, I'd love to see him on it as opposed to you know that Tony Gill. I used to, was it Govinda, Gurinda Singh he used to be called? Still never heard of him. <laughs> you know, but... I'm delighted for my close personal friend. Mine and Stacey's close personal friend, Adam Maxson. <laughs> he was not at the... He was not at... Like, they had like a training camp, he wasn't there, but apparently has signed. Apparently he's, he's a shoot. I, I, was, I was speaking to my close personal friend, Adam Maxson. Yes. So we were down the pub, we booked in advance. Adam Master doesn't do tryouts. He's offer only. He also doesn't do walking away either, but. Uh, a big king of the north. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, and he's still, oh. he's still a, he's still a <laughs> Love Island wanker. Ah, oh, you, you had to get in there. Uh, yeah. The complete opposite of Love Island now. Um, so my pal injury worries came about from NXT over the last week or so, which on last week's NXT. Uh, Tegan Knox was taken out of the Battle Royal that kicked off NXT with she got attacked by Candice LeRae backstage and she, this NXT injury report said that she was getting an MRI for a potential serious knee injury people are asking the question Ryan is this a real injury for Tegan Knox or is this part of the angle I've changed my mind mate I started off thinking that it was a, an angle but the more the more I've read up on it, the more the angle doesn't make sense um, for them to kind of go that far with it. You know, if she's right in the middle of a feud, why would you give her a potential written injury that's going to take her off the off the card for for months? So no, I think it is. I think it is legit. I mean, 
whether it happened during that wee segment or not, or whether it's happened beforehand and they've just used that to kind of sell it, I don't know. Um, all I'll say is she did sell it quite well. That's also a lassie who's got chocolate knees that knows quite well how to sell like knee injuries. But um, if it is, um, I can't remember who said it as well, but I agree with them. I think it may be David Campbell said in the group chat, if it is a serious knee injury, she's done. I don't see her. I don't see her coming back from it again. Yeah, Ross. If it is a real injury for Tegan Knox, it's the third of that type of injury she's had in the last three years or something like that. She's only just been back in August, September last year. You know, it could be this, the NXT injury report is known for being part kayfab, part real at times, so it's hard to kind of judge the line. It could. They say she's having an MRI for a suspected. So it could be that the MRI clears and that's a KFM thing, but it's a hard one. We won't really get, I think, a good indication of it. We'll see it Sunday at TakeOver, I think, to know either way. Yeah, a case of the Abu Dhabi's about her bones like Weetabix. <laughs> she's, she's a great talent. She's obviously, you want to see people from the UK going earlier and doing well. Obviously, don't want to see anyone get injured, but I do agree with what. Ryan mentioned, we think it was, I think it was David Campbell that said that if that is the third knee injury in what was it, 2017, 2018, she got her first one. Mm. Like, so that two years, three knee injuries, you've got to question whether one, she wants to continue doing this, or two, will WWE keep her on? Because, you know, as much as we make WWE out to be this heartless company, it's the same with footballers, it's the same with any sport. If a player is injury prone, you eventually just say, look, we can't keep you on anymore. So I'm hoping it is just a big storyline. I'm hoping it is just a case of, you know, Johnny Gargano's North American title, but then when Candice out of the film, they're probably bang, back of the head. You know what I mean? Uh, it's okay. Because mm-hmm. you'd never like to. I mean, I've got mixed feelings on it at the minute because, you know, I'd seen reports, you know, that this is legit, like Tegan Knox could be injured, but I think WWE has this habit of exaggerating stuff to the point where you, you, you sort of question a person's, you know, um, ability to compete. I think, I think I'm, le- I'm still leaning more towards that it's a story because, you know, conveniently, Candice Lorraine's one who takes out Tegan and then goes on to win the Battle Royal. Like, logic, again, sorry Ryan, that's strike three for logic here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're going storyline booking, the person that commits the, the attack backstage and then wins to become number one contender, the person who gets attacked is a little contribution as a result. So, but, you know, I think they're, I sort of they're playing on the fact, you know, Tegan has obviously had history with extensive knee injuries and, you know, she's been out for best part of a year when she broke her leg in the May Young Classics. So I think if this is really good storytelling on their part, then they're doing a fantastic job of it. Mm-hmm. I um, think, um, obviously, Eel Shirai, something I don't think we've maybe thought about, you know, we're talking about kayfabe here, if it is kayfabe, we're doing a draft, we've talked about how Ron Smackdown's women's division needs a freshen up. What if Eel Shirai loses and gets drafted to Raw or Smackdown, and then the feud after that, leading into WrestleMania, is Candice LeRae versus Tegan Knox. No, oh, Eo, can he lose? I need that for a draft. I'm struggling. I'm down the bottom. I'm fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting. I mean, with those 
in the women's division, she'll be on every week winning. So you know, maybe it's oh, better. Okay. If she you know okay. what, Ross? You know what, Ross? I think you might be onto something here. Like, oh. No. <laughs> no, I, I don't, no, he's, no, Ross makes an excellent point because NXT's women's division is filled to the brim with talent. And I even said a while back, uh, if it comes to SummerSlam, you know, fighting an opponent for Bailey, I was adamant it was going to be someone from NXT, specifically Rhea Ripley, because, you know, she's proven more than enough that she's capable of handling Raw and SmackDown. Like, she's the big fish in the wee pond in NXT now. Uh, but the same thing could be said for Io Shirai. Like the, the, those two women deserve to be on the the prime time spot. You know, the one the brands that are getting the most attention right now. I mean, yeah. talk, talking talking about NXT is a good point to segue into Takeover because Takeover is coming up this weekend. And uh, Ryan, I'll go back to you in this one. Uh, the the Takeover card feels a lot different than what we've seen in a lot of Takeover cards in the past. We don't have. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is not confirmed on the card. We don't have Adam Cole on the card. There's a hey, lot of hey. different Shut up, Dave. Uh, there's a lot of different guys getting opportunities. We don't have a tag team match on the card. This feels like a bit of a, a move, like a transitional move into the U era type thing for Takeover. I'm just buzzing for Finn Balor to get me some some serious points on this draft, mate, and push me up the table. Um, so you're saying there's no no tag matches? I haven't seen the card in, in detail, mate. The card that's been announced, we've mm. got Finn Balor taking on Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT mm-hmm. title. Io Shirai will be defending against Candice LeRae. Damian Priest is taking on Johnny Gargano for the North American title. We've got your boy Santos Escobar defending against Isaiah Swerve Scott, uh, the Cruiserweight title. And we've got Kushida taking on Velveteen Dream. Right. I mean, that's that, that's five matches. That's pretty much a full card for a takeover. It's, and the thing is, you, you're saying there's no there's no tag match on. I wouldn't be surprised if they chucked a tag match in somewhere and if they had some kind of tag team representation on it. But if they don't, that's still absolutely stacked. And like you say, it's it's moving. They're kind of moving on a little bit now. With, with NXT, they're starting to kind of have different types of matches. You know, like you say, you've no get Adam Cole there. Adam Cole's probably no Mister. A takeover and God knows how long properly. You know he's no had no involvement. Whereas this one, he'll, he'll have zero involvement in it. You know, Kyle O'Reilly have got this match. There's going to be no um, no interference in this one. This is going to be a clean match for me. Um, either either way, I think I think Finn Balor's going to win it. Cannot wait to see two of them going head to head. It's going to be outstanding. Mm, like Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly's been getting a lot of praise on social media from you know his peers alike and i think you you almost forget you know because in nxt you've always really seen kyle o'reilly being involved as the the tag team competitor in undisputed era he's never really had a chance to shine on his own uh because you know he he's been run through the ringer you know he's done a lot of stuff in nxt you know he's teamed with bobby fish he's teamed with roderick strong uh, but you almost forget, you know, he's a former Ring of Honor world champion and a very technically sound competitor as well. I think what's, I was a bit, a little bit off put at it first, because, but that's mainly because I'm more used to seeing Kylo Ren as a tag team competitor in NXT. So seeing him in a, a prominent singles role and getting him beefed up, you know, to say, look, don't, uh, don't just look at his tag team stuff. Go back to his Ring of Honor days. Look how how solid a competitor he is there and you know you're going to get a fantastic match with Finn Balor. I'm excited for this. See, I'd just like to talk about how last week everyone on Central said, I'll probably be Cameron Grimes, except 
your boy here, once again proving why I'm going to win David Campbell's prediction tournament. When he predicted, when he fantasy booked that Kyle O'Reilly would win that match. All right, boys, let's just just take a minute. Let's think about it. To be fair, Ross, you're a guy who regularly lives in a fantasy land, so I don't even, don't even blame you for getting that. <laughs> <laughs> My fantasies are fine. As long as she's done this smart enough anytime soon, I'm completely fine. <laughs> but I, I will give you credit, Ross. You did. I can confirm you did uh, predict Kyle O'Reilly would win, and the rest of us said Cameron Grimes. It's a fair. It's, it's, a, it's a fair shout. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly right, is a good wrestler. He's a, a good wrestler, Kyle O'Reilly, as a singles wrestler. Uh, it's an interesting card. It's an interesting card. I'm quite looking forward to it. I don't like any of your guys' predictions about Candice LeRae winning. I don't know. I, I, I don't like that at all. You're worth it. I really hope that Kushida batters the hell out of Velveteen Dream. I'm probably not the only one that thinks that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that think like that. But just to touch on what Ryan said briefly, this is a takeover. I think it's it's bringing light to the talent that haven't been regularly featured on takeovers in the past. You know, because. You know, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, last time they had a, a takeover match, I think, I'm pretty sure that was probably Candice's first takeover match that she's had, and she's only been on a couple more since. So the fact that she's getting more exposure, I think that's a good thing for her. I believe this is uh, Kushida's first takeover as well, so he's getting... Ah, about time. About time. Yeah. The man deserves so much more. And, you know, obviously, you know, Kyle O'Reilly getting pushed as a singles guy in the main event, you know, that's... That's making new stars. NXT is just hitting all the right notes when it comes to building new stars. Yeah, they just need to do something with them. You know, they just need to actually work something, you know. Because as well as Scott's an example of that, they could have, he came in, he's a great competitor. They could have done so much for him, but you barely ever see him. Anytime he loses. That was my fault, Ross Stephen. That's my fault because I, I picked him to win the, the Cruiserweight thing because he was in my fantasy team and I thought it would be a great, a great choice. So I put a kiss of death on him last season, but... Well, I was going to take over a match now against somebody who's in your fantasy team now. <laughs> I know. And do you know what's going to happen? He's going to bloody win, isn't he? Not seen Santos Escobar or Pablo Escobar, whatever he's getting called these days. Not seen him for months on NXT. He's been 205 and he comes back for one game or one match and I guarantee he makes an asset. Yeah, I, would you call it? I, I buggered off on holiday. Where's that up and coming star, Pat McAfee? When did you go on holiday? <laughs> you went on holiday? Uh, where's Pat McAfee? He's... Pat McAfee's disappeared off the face of the earth. So sad to go, pretty much. He's been in like two matches. He said these day two uh, matches. You leave, you leave Adam Cole alone. He's paid his dues for the last three years. He deserves a holiday. Unlike Rob. <laughs> Turkey's magical. <laughs> uh, see, after his match against Adam Cole, he won me over and then he tweeted the other day, Mr. Brightside, still a banger. And I was like, yes, Pat McAvey, he's welcome in that house post COVID anytime. Ah, uh, jeez. Uh, yeah, so should be an interesting takeover card. I hate that they've got them on Sundays. No, no, when it's these standalone ones. It should be Saturdays. Saturday. Saturday's takeover night, yeah. Like, get a, get the beers in, get a takeaway in. It's like, takeaway with a takeover. It's perfect. You don't have carbs on a Sunday. I was about to say, just grow a pair of balls. The pair he's got to work with a wee bit of a hangover. Yeah, you exactly. work from, working from home. Working from home. You don't even leave yeah. the bloody house. 
He's not even. Let's stop pretending that you're having to go to work and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. Ross was on a bus every single oh. morning for about four hours trying to get to Aston. <laughs> it's because he, he moved to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so take TakeOver coming this Sunday, NXT TakeOver 31. Uh, some other WWE stuff before we move on to the other stuff going on. Ryan, a good personal friend of yours, uh, James Storm. Yes, my, my man. What's he been in now? Well, he's, he's came out this week and said that apparently he had a deal lined up with WWE before the pandemic hit, and he was going to show up on Raw after WrestleMania. Paul Heyman lined That's him up. such a shame. I don't think that ever happened, because he would be amazing. The new mm-hmm. on on Raw, I think he would work so well. Um, I close personal friend, me and me and Big Jambo. I call him Jambo. People can't call him Jambo, but I can call him Jambo. Um, Jambo we go we go way back, boys. We go way back. Um, he actually told me he was getting this this uh, contract through the door. He dropped me a wee text and said that COVID made an arse it. So I bet a shame, but ah, jokes aside, I would love to have seen him on, on Raw. Yeah. He's, one of those, he's one of those larger than life characters, you know, like we, we see him in TNA and stuff. We've seen him at, over here in Scotland, the uh, ICW Shugs Who's Party. Uh, I think he's, has he done a couple other shows in ICW too? Because, um, yeah. Aye. Because I think his match against Leighton Buzzard was probably the only one I've ever seen him compete in. But see, when, I'll tell you something about James Storm though, like, he is not a small guy. Like, he is, he is literally a giant. Yeah, we know that. He's the only guy that I know that actually still wears but cut jeans and fucking rocks it, man. <laughs> like you, you just don't realise like how big of a guy he is until you see him in person. Uh, mate, right, let's talk about stories. Let's talk about the time that uh, James Storm on a thing, right? So I, I went and picked him up from from his hotel in, in Glasgow and took him back to the record factory, and the guy could hardly fit in my my Ford Focus. Like he was an absolute machine, right? So I'm, I goes in, <laughs> I says to him, I don't me to grab your bags, I'll put them in the back of the car. He's ah, oh, Brown, that'd be great. Fucking couldn't have left the bag, don't worry, hurting it, man. I think he'd a dead body. Like, <laughs> I was trying to lift the hand, put it in the back of the car. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this guy's a wrestler. I'm trying to call these bags for him. I was like, ah, right. Nah, James, you need to get that. I can't fit that in. So he had to pick his own bag up, put it in the back of my car, and then squeeze in his cowboy hat sitting on his knees if I was a taxi driver I felt like an Uber driver <laughs> I was a big fan of the photo with James Storm because he's so massive that I looked thin in the photo which I was very very thankful for so if Mary Hughes could get in shape like James Storm so I don't have to that would be much better for nights out I mean I've started going back to the gym so just give me a, a year or so and then we'll see how I look Jesus Christ moving on <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about James Storm actually, Ross, he's uh, his old pal returned to Raw this week. Aye, Bobby Roode looking like that, sl- <laughs> that uh, sleazy stepdad in every teen comedy. <laughs> hey, me and your mom, your mom says we've got a bond. No? <laughs> <laughs> a horrendous insight into my childhood. Um, uh. So, yeah, he returned randomly, uh, answers an open challenge. He is someone... Th- there are certain wrestlers, like uh, what his partner at the minute, Dolph Ziggler, they're not people who can just float in and out. They need consistent storylines. They need to be booked consistently so you can, can care about them. He's not a face, we've seen that. He is definitely a heel. Um, Quite enjoyed the match, reminiscent of a takeover Brooklyn 2 or 3. Um, 
But it would have been great to get James Storm back in because as we saw at Clash of Champions, when Angel Garza and Andrade took on the Street Profits again, um, as many matches as Casey and Abel. Um, yeah, it would have been great to see them because they really could bolster either the Raw or SmackDown tag divisions. And hopefully Bobby Roode does get the heel run he deserves because, you know, he is a former United States champion, blinking you'll miss it. Um, I think he could be a credible and a credible US champion as a heel. He's a former tag champion as well. He's about three, four, man. Uh, he's won it with one with Ziggler and one with Chad Gable of all people. Chad Gable, why can't? Yep. glorious why? Gable. Why can't? Has sorry, just and then see what in what was a transitional time for NXT. He was an absolute star. His theme song grabbed people instantly. His heel gimmick was amazing. Then he came to the main roster and it was basically as if Vince McMahon was just like, oh, they like your song? Okay, we'll make you a face. And it was just, it was doomed to fail, you know what I mean? You know, he's, he's, not had a, he's not had a match for WrestleMania since his first WrestleMania. He's been battle royal fodder ever since. He deserves so much better. So I'm hoping that they get him in a nice heel run away from dog food and Baron Corbin, and I'm sure Ryan would agree with that. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, moving away from WWE, uh, AEW, quiet week. I think fair to say in AEW, apart from uh, Dave, more COVID. You're a COVID expert now. You've uh, dug yourself in that. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm playing the role of Dr. Fauci here. Uh, Lance Archer uh, has COVID. Yeah. Well, he, I think he said he came in contact with somebody who had COVID because I think it was it was somewhere, somewhere at his home or something. Uh, he went to take his pet to the vet or something and someone he came in close contact with had tested positive, so he had to isolate. I think that was the, the story. But, you know, we did get a AEW title match out of nowhere against with Moxley going against Eddie Kingston. And, I mean, I like how they're sort of changing things. I think AEW's done a better job of handling it on the fly. Like, because that Eddie Kingston promo, my God, you could just feel the passion in his voice. Like, even... Even better than when he was uh, cutting the promo when he challenged Cody for the, the TNT title at the time. Ah, oh, he's a king of the promo. He's one of the best promo guys in wrestling. He's probably the best promo in wrestling right now. I, I thought this was outstanding. To be fair, see this whole scene when he came out. Man, just to cut that promo. No music, no nothing. He just came storming out. But see the content that he put into that, that promo, man. It was unbelievable. I don't, I don't watch AW live. I always wait until Friday when it's actually on telly. I just record it and, and I watch it on pace. But this one popped up on Facebook. This clip uh, of this, and I actually could not wait to see the the interaction because I'm I'm a massive um, John Moxley fan anyway. Um, I think just everything about him. See everything about John Moxley. You know, for his entrance, his music, his kind of style. You know, just being a mental case, like. Absolutely love him, but see when Eddie Kingston came in and cut this promo, I thought this is going to go off, man. This is going to be unbelievable. And then two of them face to face, split up with the refs, and the match itself as well later on was probably one of the best matches I've seen in a while. It was just two hard hitting bastard guys, man, just going for it. Brilliant. Yeah, it was good stuff as well. It was absolutely uh, hard hitting. And Ross, the other big thing from Dynamite is the return 
of Cody and his Euro as Vampire Cody. <laughs> I really want to like Cody Rhodes because he was an Arrow and I quite like Arrow. Um, <laughs> That's your reason. I, no, I like, I like Dustin Rhodes. I like... He has a good wrestler. He just... For, for someone who his first entrance was like attacking the throne and like, oh, I'm not going to be Triple H, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to... How much pyro was needed there? <laughs> he goes over the top of his pyro, doesn't he? And people could say, oh, well, it's his big return. He was away for six weeks. If WWE did that, people would have complained. And I, I know I just sound like a pure bitter anti-AEW guy. I don't want AEW to fail. I quite like AEW. I'm a John Moxley fan. I'm an Eddie Kingston fan. Their match and their interaction was good. I look forward to tonight's Dynamite because well, tonight at the time of recording. Um, but it's just every time he comes out, be it a, a promo, be it just to be on commentary. There was one, it was one of the early Dynamites, he was on commentary, I believe, and he came out and got the whole pyro treatment, and yet the two people in the match didn't get pyro or anything like that. One of them didn't get an entrance, so he could get pyro. And it was just, Cody, come on, mate. Ross, Ross, who cares, man? See, when you run the fucking company, you can put as much pyro on as you want. See, mate, I would put pyro outside my house every time I went to Asda. Every time I walk in the house, I want fireworks going off just to announce that I've left the house. But I must admit, when Cody when Cody came back, I thought it was quite cool when he came back, but I did, I did need a double take. I thought it was Robbie Norton out of Lazy Town that was coming back for a second. I made that same comparison last week. You're a party thief. Mate, come on. <laughs> like, Seriously though, like, what's the what's the hair all about? See me, see me. You talk about guys running the company. See if you compare the way Tony Khan tweets about AEW booking stuff compared to how the Fulham fans reacted to his tweet the other night when they could beat Alpha <laughs> Villa. They were just like, "What is you, you have such a cheek?" But yet, if he did something like, "I'm sorry that we booked this such and such match in AEW," we go, "We love you, Tony." Uh, yeah, let, oh let's, let's briefly talk on that man. He got absolutely slaughtered by the film fans that they don't can. Get slaughtered by Scott Parker, the manager. Scott Parker and Tony Khan are headlining the next next take uh, takeover, the next AEW pay per view. Seem to get sacked. I bet he shows up and take over. Scott Parker shows up at takeover Dublin. <laughs> looking, looking like fucking Sportacus probably <laughs> in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling it. Uh, aye, other than that, other than those two main interactions, it was quite a low-key week. Obviously, the COVID stuff as well. We've talked lots mm. about the COVID stuff throughout the show, but it was quite a low-key week for the AW in terms of that stuff. Uh, uh, FTR's got their brush with greatness uh, happening tonight as well. You know, I think hopefully this is a chance to really showcase like how talented FTR going up against the, the tag team division and stuff. But I think somewhere down the line, I think I can see them having a feud with best friends. I think it'll happen. I think I don't think best friends will beat them. Like oh, no, no, no. I think you could still get a good story out of it. I'm looking forward to tonight's uh, Dynamite for the simple fact. This brush with greatness and the work they've been doing since they won the tag titles is the first time you've got to see like, the proper revival since NXT. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of it you can put down the booking, a lot of it you can put the injuries. But FTR revival, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and I really, I really look forward to that. This is uh, this is the revival. 
of the revival. <laughs> Interesting to see. Uh, other news in the wrestling to kind of talk about, and in the last week, we've had some welcome step forward in terms of the speaking out movement with the launch of a parliamentary inquiry into professional wrestling in Great Britain, led by MPs Mark Fletcher and Alex Davis-Jones, who met up with professional wrestlers, including Cara Noir, who is the Progress World Champion and the winner of the 16 karat gold tournament, which happened just before COVID. Uh, a welcome move forward, guys, in terms of this movement that Parliament's looking into. It's a weird thing wrestling has been allowed to continue because wrestling, um, you know, they, they talk about paying your dues and all that, but then there's paying your dues and there's slave labour and, you know, making people feel like shit because they're not taking down a ring for you at, you know, 11 o'clock at night when the last train's at 5 past 11. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it is, it is an industry that needs to be policed because some of the stories we've heard are horrendous and I'm hoping obviously, we, we hope the bad apples are basically taken out because you know, with these people there, people don't feel safe, fans don't come to shows and then certain wrestlers leave the business because they don't feel safe either. So it is a welcome step forward because it is, a, it is an industry that has kind of just been allowed to run rampant and because it's not technically it, like it's sports entertainment so it's not theatre there's no there's no union there's no actors guild it's not technically a sport so there's no so you know football rugby association you know there's no governing body so hopefully hopefully there is steps put in place just basically to stop certain stories that have came out happening again yeah, I think Ross pretty much hit the nail on the head because it's obviously it's quite a, I will admit it is quite a, a sensitive subject to talk about. But I've seen a few like uh, reports online about you know people you know where they were describing their experiences like professional wrestlers talking about their experiences, particularly like female talent, and you could just tell like you know there there is that that really dark cloud that's hanging over the, the industry when it comes to that kind of behavior because I think any industry or business that's worth their salt should have protocols in place that protect anybody that they sign, whether it's you know performers, whether it's staff backstage, whether it's management. I think, I think for them to really truly enjoy where they work or where they, like, even, if it's, even if they do it on a part-time basis, it gives so many people peace of mind knowing that they'll have that protective veil over them so that they don't have to tolerate that kind of behavior like it's a it's a really good step forward and i like how you know mps are getting involved and they're taking it seriously the only downside to to this whole thing um and i agree with you of saying i can't I kind of put anything else on that, you know, it's good that they're eventually looking into it. It should never have happened. It should never have to come to this. You know, people should be able to act like adults. Um, for me, I, it doesn't make a difference to me if politicians are getting involved because I just have to look up Mark Fletcher. He's a Conservative MP. He'll make an arse of it. Alex Davies-Jones, he's a red Tory. He'll make an arse of it. You know, <coughs> without getting too political on it, I just don't trust that they're the right people that can actually kind of deal with something 
like this because they can't deal with anything else at any other time. I think wrestling needs to come together. So, you know, companies come together, you know, whether that be, you know, we can say we want about ICW and stuff like that, but whether, you know, ICW, Progress, you know, all these kind of big companies, they get somebody together, they get a representative from all of them and they make a union. They get a union and they put their own rules in place that everybody has to sign up to, the company sign up to, and that's the best way to deal with it. Getting, getting MPs on board, MPs are fucking useless. Right? They're absolutely useless. They're not going to make a difference to anything. What has to happen is the people involved in wrestling are the ones that need to make this change and, and actually put things in place. Now, having two MPs in London, they, they don't care. Right? They don't care. They're doing this they're doing this for a point scoring exercise, they're doing it to, to check a box. What you need is people involved in wrestling to come together, put something in place and everybody signs up to it. You know, that's the only way you're going to actually have something in place, like a union, like your protocols, you know, make sure people are PVG checked. You don't need a, an MP to tell you that somebody's a PVG, a PVG check to work with, with young people coming out of wrestling school. But like, that's common sense. That you need that, you know, if you need a PVG to work in a swimming pool to be a lifeguard, you need a PVG to work with young wrestlers coming in. It's the same thing. So politicians fuck off wrestling people deal with it yourself put things in place and you know kind of fix it from inside well there's been a thing as well this week uh, TNT were quite quick to announce it about the launch of, a, of wrestling CR or team, they've teamed up with a company wrestling CRB to ensure all talent volunteers are good background checks but there's been a bit of criticism since that announcement came out over the weekend because there's a difference. I'm not fully sure about it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but CRB checks aren't actually a thing anymore. They, they jumped the gun with it. People, it's not really the most convincing thing. You know, apparently it's wrestling travel who are running this wrestling CRB. Obviously, they're quite influential in terms of their booking for stuff, but um, it's not convinced a lot of people when I don't know. In fact, actually, CRB checks ceased to exist almost a decade ago mm. I go back to what I said <laughs> MPs have actually now teamed up with or got in contact with a thing that ended over 10 years ago like that just shows you that they just don't have a fucking clue but anyway I'll not talk about it I'll get, I'll get too I'll get too I, I can feel my blood get up there alright Ryan have a, have a drink you know cool yourself off it was fine there is there is promotions like FCW up in Dundee, like there was, and I won't name the other company, but it did have a lot of people speaking out against it. FCW have since put talent safeguarding officers for both men and women in place. They've put people, like, talent liaisons in place, basically to make sure things are reported and they do want all the wrestlers having PVG checks, all the wrestlers, all their commentators and all their backstage staff. So there is companies doing stuff, as Ryan said, you know, people in wrestling starting it themselves. I think the, as much, and I do agree, the MPs won't do anything, you know, it will be the people in wrestling that sort it. However, the fact that MPs are getting involved then put a spotlight on it, which then gets it on. You know, how often do you see wrestling on BBC Sport? You never do. It puts it on mainstream platforms, it puts it out in the open, it makes it an issue that's not going to go away because it then is in the mainstream, it's not just in our, you know, we wrestling bubble. And then, you know, it does put a spotlight on it, which we don't want to go away because it, we don't want it just to be something that 
Oh, by the way, remember during COVID, that speaking out thing happened? Yeah, no, we don't want that to happen. We want to put a shining light on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing we we're going to talk about in this show, but completely different thing. It's coming from Impact Wrestling, and apparently they've parted ways with the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes. Good. Good. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll start watching it. I cannot go, Katie Forbes. Man, do you know who Katie Forbes sounds like? Do you know what she acts like? Do you ever watch South Park and you see the ones where they take the piss out of, um, oh, what's her face, Paris Hilton? That's who she reminds me of. The South Park Paris Hilton is exactly oh, what Katie no. reminds me of. She sounds like her. She just sounds like a pure skank, man. And I know that's what they're kind of going for. I know that's what they're going for with the character, right? But it's so off-putting to watch, man. I can't go it. Uh, is it sad that I actually know the South Park episode you're talking about? Is it the one where, um, where his face puts, um, puts her up his arse? <laughs> <laughs> And that's where we draw the line. <laughs> I, 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 I know the episode. I can't, uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't picture who it was. But so does that, anyone, that, the does, that does that mean they're free agents now? RBD and Katie Forbes. They are free agents. How many people? How many people? As soon as they heard that they parted ways with Impact, how many are posting the the Cody meme where he's doing the hand to your ear? No, well, they already they already were free agents. So they weren't signed up on contracts to. Impact were just pretty much there. Were, were they just on a rolling basis? It was. It was pretty much a spoken agreement they had. They, they weren't actually. I read that today. They weren't even signed to Impact, so that's why they've been able to just kind of go. All of a sudden, they've just decided that they're going, and that's it. Um, I don't think there was anything really tying them. Tying yeah, them. they've they've kind of just said they're not going to work with them anymore. There's a lot. Of, apparently, Van Dam's doing stuff behind the scenes, and he's got some stuff going on with WWE. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember exactly what he's got lined up. But he won't be. He won't be I know people will be like one more match. He won't be wrestling because one, he looks knackered, and two, he's terrible. He's like fifty that, now, isn't he? Yeah, it's not even that he's fifty. I think it's just that he's fucking like party lifestyle has caught up with him. It's more. He, he said before the reason he went back to Impact was because Impact would clean him, but WWE wouldn't, because WWE being a a publicly traded company had to put him through every possible test and he couldn't pass a concussion test. Oh, he couldn't pass a drug test either. If they did, if they, <laughs> well, if they still do, if they, if they were to do them, I don't know if they do it. In fairness, apparently weed has been removed from the yeah, so. policy, which I, I think it was just to get that riddle of the door, but, you know, take it out what you will. If, if, if they had weed on the wellness policy, Riddle would not be working there. <laughs> I think I, I think a lot. I think I think a lot of people would be working there because God, God knows, like, because you can't say for certain how many people, you know, indulge in a little bit of the the marijuana. <laughs> you sound like an eight-year-old man. <laughs> oh, son, do you want a Widdles original? One, she's on that wacky tobacco. <laughs> but listen, listen, son, you just sit in there and let me tell you about the Great American Bash in 2004, all right? <laughs> Armageddon 2006, get your facts. <laughs> the only reason I brought up that match from Armageddon 2006 is because it was the same match where Joey Mercury's face exploded from being hit with a ladder. No, Perfect match. match. Strong match. We were talking about Joey Mercury at the time, though, that was the thing. <laughs> you made it look as if, and the news this week, Joey Mercury, remember he got his face exploded at Aye, and I just remembered the secondary facts from that match. Remember the spot where William Regal was falling? 
Uh, and on that note, uh, this wraps up this week's episode of. Here, Stephen, by the way, this has been a total clusterfuck of a show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, mate, that you need to edit this. I want some more from my services. <laughs> that's okay, it'll, it'll sound great at the end. Um, that's been this week's ESS uh, Central. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you heard, you can find us on all the socials Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweets. Subscribe to us over on all the good podcast platforms. You can get all our great back catalogue. We just had a show a couple of days ago. We talked about NXT Takeover Respect from five years ago. Talked far too much about Dana Brooke and Susie Dent on a wrestling podcast. Uh, yeah, Who's Susie Her from Countdown, Dictionary Countdown. Corner. Yeah, Dictionary Corner. Wow. Need to listen to find out. Need to listen to find out. And also, eight-year-old, you are talking about a guy, a woman, sorry, sits in the corner. A show that's called Countdown, ironically watched by pensioners waiting for death. Jesus Christ! <laughs> anyway, you can catch that, and you can also catch mm. all the other great shows on it. We've got Saturday Draft Live, East Meets West, our feature yeah. shows. We've got loads of great ones coming up. Ryan's hosting one next week, talking about. The one year anniversary of SmackDown on Fox. A lot of great stuff coming on there. Cannot wait for that show. That's going to be delightful. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready for a good time? I'd like to thank oh. my panel uh, Ross McLeod. Thank you. Ryan Gallagher. Cheers, Stephen. David Hotney. Cheers, thank you. I've been Stephen Wilson, and we'll see you next time. Stop whatever you're doing right now. You've only got one choice. This is Billy Kirkwood. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Get on it!